Greetings, and welcome back to Sound Fiction. As many of you may know, in my last post, I offered listeners the chance to determine the title for today's story, because we reached 2,500 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you all very much for allowing the channel to reach this goal, and I hope we can break through and surpass bigger and better milestones down the road. I went through the comments in the last video and community post, and I must say you guys came up with some very interesting story titles. Ultimately, I went with The Day Eternity Ended, suggested by Tenzin, and wrote a story around that title. Honestly, it was a very fun experience which I want to do again in the future. So when the channel reaches 5,000 subscribers, I'll make the offer again. And when the podcast reaches 2,000 downloads, I'll do it once more. We're halfway there on both fronts, and I hope to participate in this challenge again soon. Anyway, without further ado, episode 43 of Sound Fiction. The day eternity ended. Being a military scientist means having integrity. The integrity to follow protocols. Integrity to withhold government secrets from foreign enemies. Integrity to remain loyal to your country and its people. It's also, if I'm being very honest with you, quite boring. Day in, day out, we run experiments. Gather data, crunch numbers, and draw conclusions about things the general public wouldn't even consider caring about. I don't blame them. Like I said, it's boring. I bet most people wouldn't even understand how information like this could be a threat to national security. But it is, and so we keep it secret. It's a thankless job. People don't say thank you for your service when they see me. Then again, I don't wear a uniform. And technically, my employer isn't the U.S. military. I work for a private company, but we receive all of our funding from them. Because all of our money comes from the military, so do the protocols, the loyalty, the integrity. But I've always been proud to do this work, protect our people, and serve my country. If I can even call it that anymore. It all started a few years ago. You see, our lab is a physics lab. We work with different substances, mostly radioactive, and test how they interact with each other or changes in the environment. The reason these kinds of things are important to the military is because... They need to know what to expect from potential weapons used by enemies and how to prepare for sending people into contaminated zones. In my career, I've made some pretty interesting findings. Maybe not interesting to you, but when you devote your professional life to the world of science, these things are interesting enough. Thorium. More importantly, TH-232 rolled through the front door in July 1978. Not an obscure substance by any stretch, but... The 232 version was quite rare. This isotope was chosen because of its strange qualities and potential to produce nuclear fuel. Everything was normal at first. It reacted the way you would expect to other materials and had a natural radioactive decay rate. We needed to image this process in order to gather data and record the statistics, so we did what we always did and shot gamma rays at it. Oddly enough, No image appeared. 
So we tried x-rays. Again, no image. Then we tried neutrons, alpha particles, beta particles, even micro and infrared waves. But again, nothing. This was already strange enough. But then we tried terahertz waves. And things got really weird. When we shoot particles and rays at a substance, we usually leave the accelerator on for about 20 minutes to continuously shoot at the sample and slowly map an image. But about 5 minutes into shooting terahertz at the TH232 sample, something started to happen. At the far end of the accelerator, where the waves met the sample, the area around it seemed to bend. It wasn't like the light around the area bended, but the area itself was warping. The steel pillar behind the accelerator started bending like some kind of optical illusion. But clearly it wasn't just an illusion. I saw it. We all saw it. And it was frightening. We shut the machine off right away and watched the pillar and everything else snap back into place. We just stood there baffled by what we witnessed. We were all afraid of what it was, but way too curious to not turn the machine back on again. Five minutes went by, and it started to happen. The pillar slowly curved, and we watched intently. The perimeter of this warped space pushed outward, forming a kind of bubble. Everything inside the bubble looked as it was before, but slightly different. I'm not sure how to explain how, but it just was. We left it on and stared into it for several minutes before turning the accelerator off. Again, the warped space disappeared and everything went back to normal. We brought this to the head of our lab's attention, and when he saw it, he was just as stunned as we were. The only glaring issue with this whole situation besides not knowing what the hell was going on, was the fact that there wasn't any quantifiable information. We knew the only way to explore this further was to show the people funding our whole operation. So the next week, a military official came in. We've had representatives and officials come in before, but nothing like this guy. He was top brass. From head to toe, he was covered in medals and insignias. You could tell by the way he walked around that he could shut this whole place down with one call. When we led him into the accelerator room, he stood there, looking at it, stoically and unimpressed. We turned on the machine, and the warped space presented itself just as it did before. The official's mouth slowly opened, and he gazed at the affected area with shock and awe. After a couple minutes, we shut the accelerator off. He just turned to our lab head and said, What in God's name was that? We really don't know, sir. But if we want to find out, we're going to need your approval and funding. The official's exterior hardened as he firmly nodded his head and turned to walk out the door. If his cold nod wasn't approval enough, the funding that came in after certainly was. It was more money than we had ever received at a given time. So much more that it naturally raised questions. We were told to keep all of these experiments and information secret, completely internal. And I was told, in uncharacteristic fashion by our lab head, 
that this money wasn't coming from the usual science and research department. This money was coming from the weapons department, which involved different implications and expectations. When other departments give out money, it's usually quite limited, so they just hope for the best. When the weapons department gives it out, there's never a limit, so they expect results. We built a whole new test facility for this TH-232 and terahertz reaction that we had discovered. It had a special area to house the affected zone, and a brand new particle accelerator that could shoot way more waves as well as concentrate them immensely. All of this was very new to us as a team, but I must admit, in the beginning, it was all very exciting. We started by trying to get as much quantitative data as we could out of the affected area. Temperature, radiation levels, humidity, anything. But just like the images we tried to produce, we got nothing. Then we tried putting a camera in there. But it seemed that any kind of image capturing devices placed in the affected area stopped working. Since there were no signs of radiation or signs of anything physically harmful, we started placing animals inside. At first, we used mice. Nothing remarkable happened, but then we turned up the concentration of terahertz waves. The mice immediately became frantic, squeaking and scurrying all over their cages. This was the first piece of data we could extract from our experiments, and none of it was quantitative. I quietly became obsessed with this experiment and grew wildly curious about whatever was inside the affected area. There had to be something something science could properly define. For the first time in my life, work followed me home. I thought non-stop about this strange reaction discovered at our lab, what it was, and what it meant. I lay awake at night, staring at the ceiling and the stars out the window, just wondering. We repeated the experiments on all kinds of animals, with the same results sharper and fiercer reactions to a higher concentration of terahertz waves. Across the board, the animals acted more panicked and frightened when inside a more concentrated and intense affected zone. There was no way to measure what they were feeling, but when we tried the experiment on a group of pigs, a notoriously intelligent animal, I noticed them looking up, eyes darting left and right, as if they were all witnessing the same thing. In that moment, my mind shifted from what they were feeling to what they were seeing. They had to be seeing something we weren't. But what? It became clear that we had to start sending people in there. So we opened up a study for willing volunteers and offered financial compensation. The study was advertised as a psychology experiment and came with a confidentiality clause. Soon enough, we had a reasonable pool of prepared volunteers. We had to choose wisely, though. Because our experiments were confidential, we didn't want anyone involved to know what it was for. And in the event that somebody did want to spill the beans, we didn't want them to be the most... credible. We also didn't want them to be shocked by the affected area forming around them, so what we decided to do was to blindfold them first, escort them into the room, form the affected zone, and then ask questions. The first participant showed up, a man in his 30s, Seemingly competent, but not remarkably intelligent from what I could see. Hi, you must be David. Yeah, that's me. Okay, I'm gonna need you to put this blindfold on before we head into the other room. Whoa, why you putting that on me? It's just, uh, it's protocol, sir. 
All right. I put the blindfold on him, and we walked clumsily into the test area. I sat him down in the chair and said, Okay, David, I just need you to sit still, and in about five minutes I'll ask you to take the blindfold off. After that, I'd like you to describe how you're feeling and what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. We turned on the accelerator and shot the lowest concentration of terahertz waves we could to form the area. The slightly warped space grew around the subject. We let him sit in it for a minute. David, you can take the blindfold off now. How are you feeling, David? Yeah, I feel fine. Good. And what do you see? Nothing. Just the room. Turn up the concentration. How do you feel now, David? I told you already, I'm f- Hey. I see something. Hey, what do you think you're doing? Hey, pal, come on, what's the big hey, idea? Hey, he's freaking out, turn it off. Hey, what the hell was that? I don't know what kind of test you're running over here, but I want to get out. We let him out of the test room and brought him into an interview room to ask questions. David, we saw you got a bit distressed in there at one point. Can you tell me exactly what happened? Well, you saw what happened. What the hell kind of place is this? Please just describe to me exactly what you experienced. What do you mean, describe it? You were there. You don't need describing. How so? (sighs) Boy, for a bunch of college smarty pants, you sure are stupid. Let me spell it out for you. You walked in holding another fella's hand. He was blindfolded, just like I was, and you tried to sit him on my lap. What? You heard me. You tried to sit him on me. And when I got up to push him away, you two were gone. What did he look like? He was old, okay? What was he wearing? What was he we- <sighs> Now I know this place is full of sugar. He had brown pants, suspenders, and a green checker shirt, like a farmer. Is that good enough for you? Now let me out of here so I can get my money and forget this ever happened. Alright, this was the most compelling evidence we had gathered thus far. Not one of us in the control room saw anything even remotely close to what he described. And by the conviction of his testimony, I was convinced that he really believed what he saw. I went home that night, totally fascinated about the events earlier that day. In what way was the affected area interacting with his mind and his body? And in what reality was the thing he witnessed even based? The answers to these questions would be presented to me the next day at work, as the experiment continued. I came in and prepared the test room for the next participant we had coming in. As I was getting everything ready, I couldn't help but think how strange of a reaction the first participant had to the affected zone. I worried slightly for the next person coming in, because I knew the lab had plans to concentrate the terahertz waves even more this time. I went to open the door for the next test subject, and was stopped dead in my tracks as soon as I did. Standing there was a man I had never seen before, but the moment I looked at him, I knew exactly who he was, just how he described, like a farmer. Right this way, Robert. All right. I guided him into the test room and sat him in the chair. Then we turned on the accelerator and let the area form. All right, Robert, can you take the blindfold off for me now? He took it off and looked around the room. Now, could you please tell me what you see, Robert? Not much. Just four walls, a door, and a window. Our lab head sat at the head of the control room, with his hands on the accelerator. He slowly turned it up, 
increasing the concentration of terahertz waves being shot at the TH-232. The participant sat wide-eyed in the chair, eyes staring dead ahead. What do you see, Robert? He sat there and said nothing, eyes growing wider by the second. I heard the accelerator ramping up. He's unresponsive, sir. More and more terahertz being pumped through the machine. Sir? Sir? Sir, stop! It's too much for him. The accelerator shut off, and the warped zone disappeared. In its place was a trembling old man, petrified, looking like he was on the verge of having a heart attack. Two staff members went in and took him out to another room to settle down. I wanted desperately to speak with him and ask him about what he saw, but the staff said he needed medical attention and he wouldn't speak to anyone. He was kept under surveillance for a couple hours until he finally became responsive. When asked about what he experienced, he refused to talk about it and demanded to go home. Because he was technically a volunteer, we couldn't keep him. And that was it. I sat there in the control room after he left. After everyone left. Just thinking about the situation. The overwhelming fear in his eyes. Witnessing something beyond horrible intrigued me. The head of our lab. Increasing the wave concentration suddenly made sense to me. He wanted to know, just like I did, what would happen if the limits were pushed. But just like the animals, our subject wouldn't talk. And now... We were even more in the dark. I stood up to leave. But just as I did, something caught the corner of my eye. On the other side of the two-way mirror, in the test room with the chair and the accelerator, was a figure. I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, but when I turned to look, there it was. There he was. Unsure if what I was seeing was real, I looked closer, but I was not mistaken. Standing in the test room was a man, a Native American man. War paint decorated his face as he breathed heavily while remaining calm. A large gash ran across his chest, with blood slowly running down his abdomen. His hands too were covered in blood, soaked in it, dripping heavily onto the floor. He held a strong gaze toward the two-way mirror and directly at me. It was like he couldn't see me, but he knew I was there. And at the same time, I could see him, but I couldn't believe he was there. He was, and we just stared. I don't know how much time passed by, but at a certain point, I blinked, and he was gone. At the time, none of it made any sense. I didn't understand how it could be true, but I also couldn't deny what I saw. I never mentioned it to anybody, not even after I entered the affected area myself. After that incident with the old man, the military implied a tight grip on our operations at the lab. I guess they were scared about how shook up he was, and thought another event like that could blow the cover off our experiment. From then on, Heavy security measures were implemented at the lab. Key cards, passcodes, clearance levels, and shockingly enough, armed guards. Not only was security tight at the lab, but also outside the lab. I found myself being followed on several occasions, usually when I was driving 
I would often be tailed by some men in an unmarked SUV. Sometimes they would follow me home, and sometimes I would see them parked across the street in the middle of the night. It bothered me that things had gotten so authoritarian, but not as much as not knowing what we were trying to study. The military had full control of the lab operations now. They postponed exposing any living subjects to the affected area, so basically all of our efforts were useless. After a while, I just couldn't stand it. What was the point? All of our tests and experiments yielded no data, nothing to measure, nothing to study, nothing to know. But I understood. The only way to learn something from it was to experience it. So I volunteered myself to enter the zone and document what I saw. The first time I went in, it felt almost magical. The affected area hadn't even formed yet, but when I sat there waiting, I felt as if this was the place I was always meant to be. The bubble formed, and at first, I saw nothing. Everything was the same. I was told to point up to increase the concentration of terahertz, and down to decrease it. So I pointed up, and suddenly the world came alive. I started seeing glimpses of people walking in and out of the room, almost like a videotape on fast forward, but with more energy and vibrance. I pointed up again, and the world took a completely new shape. I started seeing things that weren't even in the room. I saw places and people far away, doing things that either had been done before or would be done. It suddenly occurred to me that the affected zone wasn't a physical place to be measured or calculated. It was a rip in space and time that allowed a clear view into the past and future all at once. The information and energy entering my mind all at once became overwhelming and too much to handle, so I quickly pointed down and gestured to turn the accelerator off. As soon as the machine stopped, I felt exhausted and out of breath. It was as if being in there took something out of me, but the fulfillment I got out of experiencing the affected area was well worth it. I told my colleagues everything I felt and saw, which only piqued interest in sending me back, not only by them, but for myself as well. I drove home that day, trailed by that black SUV. I peeked out the window to find it parked across the street, where it stayed all night. I was in deep now, but I didn't really care. All I could think about was getting back to the lab and seeing where else the zone could take me. I came in the next day with the intention of pushing further into the affected area. I sat in the chair, eagerly awaiting for the zone to form. As soon as I felt myself in it, I pointed up. Time and energy flowed through me as I shot through this cosmic anomaly. I saw people past and future, animals, plants, all life on Earth. I pointed up. I then saw all kinds of events taking place on this planet. Growth, famine, War, revolution, development, genocide, death and creation, all at once. So much so, it began taking a toll on my body, 
I pointed up. Now I was hurtling so far and so fast through the past and future, none of the things I saw were even recognizable. It was all matter, moving through the universe naturally and on a guided course. Although I could not identify exactly what I saw, its movements and actions resembled the things and events I could recognize here on Earth. I tried to point up again, but I simply could not. I fell forward out of the seat, and the machine shut off. I explained everything as best I could to my colleagues after, but it was quite difficult to explain or comprehend. By the time I started talking about what I experienced toward the end, it was all just word soup. I wasn't really making any sense. It all made sense to me, but transferring that information was very difficult. They asked me how long I felt like I was in there for. When I thought about it, I honestly didn't know. It couldn't have been that long. So I said 30 minutes. That's when they informed me that I had been in the affected zone for a mere 1 minute and 15 seconds. I was shocked. I thought I had undershot my guess by a mile, but it turned out that I had overshot significantly. I explained to them that I had reached a point where my mind and body could barely handle the strain put on it by the affected zone. I had reached a threshold of sorts. But I wanted to go deeper. I had to know what lie beyond the cosmic boundary I so violently crashed into. It was decided that the next time I go in, the control room would increase the terahertz waves consistently for two minutes before taking me out. Because of the physical exhaustion I endured from this last test, I would have a week to rest. In that time, I thought non-stop about the affected zone. I pondered endlessly about what it meant and what was to be learned from it. Exposure to the area completely opened my mind about what life on Earth meant, what the significance of existence was, and the fate of all things in the universe. As you know, we all experience time in a linear fashion. But if you take away that linear perception, and experience eternity as one gigantic moment, your tiny little life on Earth becomes insignificant. However, all events big and small seem to resemble each other in one way or another. So perhaps viewing ourselves as representations of the greater cosmic endeavor, and not just an unseen, unheard part of it, would make all existence more meaningful, more important. I became fascinated with this simple idea and wanted nothing more than to push the limits of the affected area, breaking through the cosmic barrier I hit last time. In the days leading up to my next test, I tried to explain to everyone my interpretation of the things I saw in there, the significance of these findings, and how they could better humanity. The only things they seemed to care about were getting weapons and intelligence tools out of this work. They asked how viable I thought it would be to use the affected zone for locating individuals at any given time or place on Earth. Such a stupid, small-minded question. But I went along with it and said it was probably quite viable if they sent me deep enough into the affected area. I didn't really care. I just wanted to break through. The day finally came, and I sat in the chair with a leather harness attaching me to it. Two minutes of steadily increasing terahertz waves shooting at the TH-232 sample, with me on the other side of the accelerator. They asked if I was ready. I said yes. I felt as if I had been waiting for this moment my entire life. 
the machine turned on, and I waited. I was propelled into the near future. I saw remarkable technological advancements, from times new and old. Shooting further in both directions, time stretched, and I witnessed every significant event on Earth unfold simultaneously. The intensity increased, and now I was thrusting through the known universe without control. Everything was matter, whether big or small, belonging to the same forces and currents moving them. My body felt like it was about to break. I could feel myself pushing against the barrier, which contained all things our simple human brains could comprehend. Just when I thought my mind was going to implode, the barrier broke, and I was projectiled into a dimension bound by nothing. Time and space did not exist here. There was only energy, moving freely, but with conviction. I don't know how I knew, but without a doubt, these forces were the ones that controlled everything in the universe. Matter, thought, action, and emotion were all dictated by these untamable powers, flowing without judgment or reason. It was the most beautiful thing a human being could ever imagine. Slowly but suddenly, a new force of energy appeared, but this one was not like the others. There was a darkness to it, a void. It almost seemed like it had a consciousness, and it was alive. As soon as it manifested itself, I knew it was coming for me. It reached out and formed a shape that I could only comprehend as a hand. This hand wrapped itself tightly around me and filled me perfectly with fear, disgust, and hopelessness. I felt it moving me back through the affected area from which I came, back into the world I previously knew, and back into the test room with the particle accelerator. I was now about five feet off the ground, held in place by this shadowy hand, just outside the affected area. This thing had breached out of its own dimension and made its way into ours. The test room door flung open, and I could see commotion and panic taking place on the other side. An armed guard ran through and began taking shots at the giant hand. It dropped me and moved over toward the guard firing his rifle at it. The hand opened its palm and faced it at the guard. With a clear view from the ground, I watched the guard slowly stop firing, drop his rifle, and then explode. The accelerator then started vibrating and making strange noises as smoke poured out the end. The affected area then began pulsing and moving without stability. All in one motion, the dark hand was sucked back in and the area disappeared with it. The room was now full of smoke and covered in blood as staff members rushed in to take me out and extinguish the flames. I never really recovered from that event. I was taken immediately to a military hospital, where I fell into a coma shortly after. When I came out of it eventually, my mind and body had developed into a vegetative state. Now I can't walk, I can't talk, I can't eat. All I can do is think about what the universe really is. They say eternity is never ending. 
But to me, eternity is always happening. We think we exist on a timeline separate to all others, when in reality, all timelines and dimensions are happening at once, only separated by an atomic veil so thin and so fragile, the smallest rip can introduce chaos and destruction to your world, far beyond what you could ever imagine. If people knew the truth, calmness and order would cease to exist. But they don't, so the world continues as it does, as it always has, and it always will. But not for me, not since that day. Because for me, that was the day eternity ended. <laughs>